Hello, folks, and welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. We hope that this message will bless your heart, draw you closer to Jesus Christ, and help you in your daily walk as you seek to serve our Lord. Philemon is just one chapter, 25 verses. It's toward the back of the Bible, right in front of the book of Hebrews. And we're going to finish up Philemon today. We started last week, and I told you last week it'd be a two or three part series on Philemon, and uh, it's going to be the second of two parts today. And the title of the message this morning is Test Your Testimony. In 1951, Harry Truman, President of the United States, established the first national alert system called CONELRAD, C-O-N-E-L-R-A-D, CONELRAD. stands for Control of Electromagnetic Radiation. Under this national system, the radio stations in the country would be able to transmit emergency information if there was a need. And... uh, in the event of an enemy attack from the Russians during the Cold War, it was set up for a way to give that continuous civil defense information. And they would broadcast it from the radio stations across the country, but it was set up in a way to to where they would switch transmitters because they learned in World War II in Germany, the German radio stations just broadcast 24-7, and the bombers could just use those to hone right in on their targets. So we decided... In this country, we better not do that. So what they would do, they would set up a radio frequency, and if there was an emergency, then all the FM and TV stations would stop broadcasting, and some of the AM stations would stop broadcasting. Just a select few would broadcast on either AM 640 or AM 1240. And some of the older radios that were uh, manufactured back in the 50s and early 60s had a little triangle with a circle around it on those two frequencies to let you know the civil defense is tuned to that to get the emergency information. It was called Conrad. As technology progressed and they developed the intercontinental ballistic missile, there was no really no need for that system anymore because the threat of a bombing raid was diminished. They could sit out in a, on a ship somewhere and hit a button and send the missile in. So they did away with that system and they changed the name of it to the to the uh, emergency broadcast system they called it and so that system was designed where the president could give information all over the country same kind of system but a little bit different usage it wasn't quite as as necessary as it was back in the 50s and 60s and then in the 90s they changed their name to the emergency alert system set up to where at anywhere, at any time in the country, within 10 minutes, wherever the president is in the country, within 10 minutes' notice, he can broadcast all over the country if there's an emergency. They didn't use it in 9-11. They could have used it, but they did not use it, and they took some grief over that. But we're all familiar with that monthly required test they do on all the stations, those squealing, annoying tones. And then they come on the air and they say, this is a test of the emergency alert system. This is only a test. And that's the title of our message today, Test Your Testimony. Webster's Dictionary defines testimony in two ways. 
The first definition says this. A formal, written, or spoken statement, especially one given in a court of law. And we're familiar with giving a testimony in a court of law. The second definition they list is what we're kind of looking at here today. A public recounting of a religious conversion or experience. That second definition is what we want to look at today. Your testimony, your, your public account of how you came to know the Lord. And how you came to know Jesus. Don't answer out loud. Do you have a testimony? And what is it? Just think about that for a second. Do you have a testimony? And what is it? If you're a child of God, you have a testimony. Every one of us who is a child of God, who has accepted Jesus as Savior, has a testimony. Do you know what yours is? When's the last time you shared it with somebody? We have a testimony. There are times when our testimony is tested. That can be a tongue twister. You say it five times real fast. Those times that we profess something and it's tested. We, with the things we believe in, the things we say we believe in, we have a choice to make sometimes and we're tested. So that's what we're going to look at this morning as we look at the book of Philemon again this week. Remember last week we talked about the fact that we can't outrun God. We can't outrun His providence. He has a plan for our life and He works all things together for good, the good and the bad, to accomplish His will for our life. We can't outrun His grace and love. Even though we might turn away from Him and do our own thing for a while, He's always waiting on us there to repent and turn again to Him. In this book of Philemon, we're going to read through it here in just a minute again. There are three main characters in the letter. So we want to look at these three men this morning. The Apostle Paul, of course, the one who's writing the letter. Paul's in prison in Rome at this time. And then the letter that is addressed to Philemon, the second character in the book. Philemon is the one he wrote the letter to. He was a Christian. In fact, we found out, found out later in the letter that Paul actually led him to the Lord. Paul brought him to the Lord. He's known by Paul, and Paul identifies here the characteristics that he's heard about Philemon. When he's heard things about him since he was converted, and since Paul had seen him last. He talks about his love for the people of God and his faith in Jesus and his partnership in spreading the gospel message. Philemon and his wife were providing their home as a meeting place for the church, one of the congregations there in Colossae. So he was very instrumental in sharing the gospel and helping spread the good news there in Colossae. He was obviously financially better off than some because he had a large enough house to, have a, to host a church. And he owned slaves, we find out in this letter. Slavery was common back in this time. I've read estimates, I told you last week, some 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire back then. Nearly two-thirds of the population. So it was very common. And slaves, it's not like slavery that we think about in the United States that we had back in, in the 17 and 1800s. Slavery was very common. Slaves could be in any race, color, or creed. Slaves would be 
uh, acquired by military conquest or by birth or to avoid poverty. Some people sold themselves into slavery because of a debt or because of the fact that they were starving and they needed food, clothing, and shelter. So that's why slavery was so common back then. So this morning as we think about testing your testimony, we look at these three men, Paul, Onesimus, and Philemon. We see all three of them face choices. And we'll see some of the same choices that we may face today reflected in this letter here. So let's read there together, Philemon starting in verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your, Lord, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you will do you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more. Prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. Father, as we look again at this short letter to Philemon, Speak through me, Lord, the words that you would have me to speak. Deliver the message to our hearts and minds that you would have us to hear. Hide me behind the cross, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The first one of these men that we want to look at and think about and think about the test of their testimony this morning is Onesimus, the runaway slave. 
He stole from his master and traveled to Rome. And we talked about this last week. He gets to Rome and figures out he's home free. Be away from everybody. I don't know anybody. I can do my own thing. But he ends up in the presence of Paul when he gets there. Through the providence of God. Whether he's arrested and put in jail with Paul, we're not really told. I sort of lean that way. Like we said last week, he, he had nothing other than what he stole from his master's home. He tra travels 1,200 miles to Rome. I, I could see very easily where he would need to steal to keep eating and living when he got to Rome. But we're not really told one way or the other. But while in contact with Paul there, he becomes a Christian. He's saved. And Paul writes this letter to Philemon saying, hey, forgive this man. And he sends Onesimus back to Philemon to deliver the letter himself. Now, Onesimus has a choice to make. He's got this test of his testimony, his recent testimony. He just recently became a Christian and now he's going to be sent back. He had professed to be a Christian. He had accepted Christ, but he's also a runaway slave and a thief. He didn't know when he left Paul if he was going to live or die. Let me think about it. Because the Roman law allowed for them to be beaten branded with an F for fugitive on the forehead, or killed. It was up to the owner. It was up to the master. So when he left Paul, he didn't know whether he was going to his death or not. He had a choice to make. Were he allowed to live, like I said, he could have been branded or beaten or flogged. There's a possibility he could be put to death. All that was within the law within the Roman law. When I think about the fact that he could live or die, and the choice he had to make, I thought about Romans chapter 14 and verse 7 through 9 where Paul writes, for none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Onesimus had a choice to make. Let me ask you, if you were to go down to the Knoxville jail this afternoon and pick out a thief, say, we're going to let you out. What you need to do, you need to go back to the people you robbed and you need to make it right with them. Or let out somebody who's accused of murder. And you say, you go to that family that you, where you murdered their loved one and you apologize to them and you work for them for the rest of your life. You think they'd do it? More than likely not. Onesimus could have done the same thing. When he left Paul, he could have taken a left turn and gone somewhere else. He didn't know whether he was going to live or die. He had a choice to make. He had a choice to make. You know, the fact that he went back. It says a lot about his testimony. It says a lot about the fact that he was converted. We're pretty sure he did make it back. The reason being, this letter survived. If I were going back with a letter 
and I decided I wasn't going back, I don't think that letter would make it back either. What a testimony. What a victory. You know, as he was traveling back that 1,200 miles, don't you imagine Satan was tempting him, whispering in his ear, saying, hey man, you're probably going to die when you get back. I'm sure he was tempted, just like Satan tempts us from time to time. We know what we need to do. He tempts us sometimes to do the wrong thing. I'm sure that was going on. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, Paul writes this. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He'll also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You and I are tempted in every way. But the scripture says God is faithful to provide a way out. If we'll just seek it. When we're tempted. We have a choice. It's a test of our testimony. We can do the right thing if we choose or we can do the wrong thing. Onesimus had this choice. The faith that we profess is on the line. Our testimony is being tested and we can either give in or we can side with God. Second man in this book, we think about Philemon. Here was a man who had been wronged. His slave had run away, stolen from him. How do you think he felt? You ever had anything stolen from you before? I heard another pastor talking about this week about the fact that they had a little shed out back that was suitable to live in. And there was a person in, that came through kind of uh, obviously homeless, down on his luck. And they said, you know, we're going to take him in. We're going to let him live in our little shed. We're going to provide for his needs. And that went on for about two months. And he said, we came home one day to find that he was gone. And so were all my power tools that I had in my shed. And he said, my blood boiled every time somebody mentioned his name for the next few months. When somebody wrongs us, when somebody does something wrong to us, we want revenge. We want to stay angry and mad and bitter about it. But Paul writes there to Philemon, he says, I appeal to you in verse 10 for my son Onesimus. And then he writes in verse 11, formerly he was useful, useless to you, but now he's become useful both to you and to me. Now that's a play on words. The, the name Onesimus means useful. Don't you imagine that just kind of was grinding in Philemon? He was already bitter toward him, I'm sure. Philemon has a choice. The choice is forgiveness or not. Will he extend forgiveness to Onesimus or not? He was a professed Christian. Either way, he chose there was consequences. He was influential in this church. His testimony was on the line as to how he handled this situation. Now he was perfectly within the law to punish Onesimus, to even put him to death. Was in the, within the law. Or he could receive him back to himself and forgive him. Which way would he choose? If he were to receive him back, the consequence of possibly all the other slaves in the household saying, hey, we might want to become a Christian too. 
Sound like a pretty good deal. We get out of this, this slavery situation. If you punished him, put him to death, it would harm his witness. It would harm his testimony. You and I are faced with that same test every day. Somebody harms us in some way. They may steal from us. They may tell lies on us. Talk about things that aren't true. And we want to hang on to that bitterness and anger. Seethe over it. We can do that or we can let it go. We can offer forgiveness. Paul wrote to the Ephesians in chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. He says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ in Christ God forgave you. And then in Matthew 6, chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. How well do you do when people wrong you? When your testimony is tested, do you offer forgiveness? It's hard to do sometimes. Sometimes it takes a little while. But that's the test of our testimony is whether or not we can give forgiveness. I'm convinced that Philemon passed the test. I'm convinced he gave that forgiveness It's an interesting thought I was reading, and there was a first, around the turn of the first century, a guy named Ignatius, who was an early church leader. Now, his letters are not inspired texts. They're not part of the Bible. They're not part of the canon. But they're letters from an early church leader to different people in churches. Listen to what Ignatius wrote around the turn of the first century. This would have been some 40 years or so after the letter to Philemon was written. Listen to what Ignatius wrote to the church at Ephesus. He said, I hope indeed by your prayers to have the good fortune to fight with wild beasts in Rome so that by doing this I can be a real disciple. He was on the way to Rome and would be martyred there, history tells us, for sharing the gospel and believing in the truth. He says, In God's name, therefore, I received your large congregation in the person of of Onesimus, your bishop in this world, a man whose love is beyond words. My prayer is that you should love him in the spirit of Jesus Christ and all be like him. Blessed is he who let you have such a bishop. You deserved it. Could this be that same runaway slave some 40 years ago who's now the bishop of the church at Ephesus? Could it be? Many scholars think so. There's evidence in some other early church writings where the letters of Paul were kind of collected together and bound together in one volume first at the church at Ephesus. Could it be that this Onesimus that's mentioned in Ignatius' letter is this same Onesimus, the runaway slave, who by God's providence and grace was saved some 40, 50 years before? Could be. Either way, it stands as a testimony of a letter that where a runaway slave who was a sinner became a Christian. 
And it stands as a testimony of forgiveness and love extended from one Christian to another, if that were the case. Lastly, we'll look at Paul, Paul the Apostle. He's imprisoned in Rome and he shares the gospel with Onesimus and he becomes a Christian. Now, we talked about last week, Onesimus had been in Philemon's home for some time. They'd been hosting church in there every week. He had heard the gospel, but he had not heard it with his heart until he met Paul. And Paul says, I'd love to keep him, love to keep him here with me. Paul had a choice. He says, he's become useful to me. He says, he's my very heart in verse 12. In verse 13, he says, I would have liked to have kept him there in Rome to continue to aid me here in Rome. Paul had that choice. To keep him here with him in Rome or to send him back. Now he could have allowed him to stay. Sometimes we rationalize things. We're, we're doing good for the Lord. No need in obeying the law. We're going to do this. The law says this, but we're doing good stuff for the Lord. We're just going to keep on what we're doing. Paul had that choice. Onesimus was a runaway slave. He, he had broken the law, and under the Roman law, he was supposed to be returned. We always say there's never a wrong time to do the right thing, and the right thing was to send him back under the law. Paul knows the right thing to do. But he could have ignored the rules. Who would know? But there's no guarantee that sending him back wasn't a death sentence. We talked about that earlier. But James chapter 4 verse 17 says this, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. If we know something we ought to do and we choose not to do it, it's sin. That's what the Bible says. And then in 1 Peter Chapter 2, verse 13 through 15 says this, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. And what about us? We're faced with those choices every day. We go through the line at Walmart we get out to the vehicle and we realize the clerk has left something off the ticket they didn't charge us for. What do you do? Do you say, ah, and go on home or do you go back in and pay for it? Maybe you're in a restaurant and you get your ticket from the waitress and you realize she's left an appetizer off. Do you bring it to your attention? Or you just pay and keep on going? Here's one we probably all struggle with when we're driving. We say we got Jesus in our heart, but Satan's in our right foot sometimes. And I have to tell this on myself. We were, when Claudia was a baby, we were headed to Meridian to church with Renee's folks, and we got down there about portable, and blue lights came on. And I rolled down my window and Claudia's window. She was in the car seat in the back. And I thought, well, maybe this would get me some grace with the lawyer. I said, Claudia, you wave at him now when he comes up here. He said, why are you in such a hurry? 
We're trying to get to Sunday school by 9.30. As if that would make a difference. So if that was an excuse for me to run 75 or 80. And he just looked at me and said, well, I don't guess you're going to make it, are you? I said, no, sir, I guess not. Sometimes we justify what we do. When we break the law, we justify it. Not only does Paul send him back, Paul intercedes for him. He offers to pay the debt that Onesimus owes. Look at verses 17 and 18 again. Paul writes, So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he's done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. Isn't that just what Jesus does for us? He intercedes for us and he offers to pay the debt to our master that we owe, that we can't pay. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The payment required for our sin is death. Jesus paid that for you and for me. He went to Calvary to pay my sin debt and your sin debt. And he says to the Father, put that on my account and welcome them just like you welcome me. And that's what he does. The Father looks at us and he sees his son Jesus. What's your testimony this morning? Is your testimony passing the test? When those tests come along and we have those choices to make, do your actions match your testimony? If we're honest, sometimes they don't. But then by the grace of God, sometimes they do. But if we're His, we're washed in His blood and one of these days we're going to stand before the Father. And Satan is standing over there hurling accusations at us. And our testimony can be, Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Is that your testimony this morning? If not, it can be. Maybe you're like Onesimus and you've heard the gospel preached all your life. But maybe today is the first time you heard with your spiritual ears. Maybe you need to recommit your life to the Lord in some way. I don't know what, what the Lord is speaking to your heart about today, but you know, and He knows. You respond as He leads this morning. Let's pray. Father, speak to our hearts, Lord. If there be anything in anyone's heart that we need to make right with you, Lord, we know that, that you hear our prayer. Just like the prodigal son, we take that first step and you're right there with us, Lord. Willing and able and ready to forgive. We'll just trust in your son, Jesus. Help us to do just that, Lord, as we stand and sing this morning. Amen.